You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. How y'all doing? Good. Good to see you. Sorry that you have to put up with the, the second runner here, but uh, your pastor's out there in California living it up with all the staff too, by the way. And so uh, be praying for them, but I believe <clears throat> where they're at and what they're doing is going to be a blessing to the church by what they're learning and what they'll receive. So good to be here. Yeah, you're all looking okay, even though it's rainy, you know. And by the way, it's good to have my granddaughter, Bree Bree, all the way from Montana, and her husband, Brother Walker. Hey, by the way, Brianna married a Montana guy. Now, isn't this strange? That's where I was born and raised. Well, I wasn't born there, but I was raised there in Montana. And uh, now she marries a Montana guy, and she's become a cowgirl. And, uh, but we thank the Lord for her, and I'm glad they're here with us tonight as well. Well, I've been preaching now for about 57 years, be 58 here in another uh, few months. So I just want to say, since I've been in the ministry this long, if I falter... Push me on. If I stumble, pick me up. But if I turn back, shoot me. Because <laughs> I put too many years in to stop now. Amen. And I, I just feel like some preaching might be coming on right now. If you will, open your Bibles. We're going to be going to a couple of places here. And I, I know my son has been speaking uh, a lot on the family on this Wednesday night, I get to, uh, after we have our service, I get to tune in and watch it off of YouTube uh, to see how he did on this one, to see if he actually learned anything when he was at our home. And, and, uh, but he's, do, he's done real well. I appreciate him very much. And all I want to do is, I, I really mean this, I desire to aspire, to inspire, before I expire. Amen. We're going to be looking at a couple of things here that I've learned through uh, a lot of study, and I think it's going to be something of a blessing to you and a help to you to learn a little of what I have gleaned from the Word of God myself. And I want to say this, you know, when I was here for the missions conference, and it was outstanding. My goodness, what a great missions conference that was. And, of course, the message that Brother Shemesh uh, brought, uh, that one about Saul, and uh, how, how he mentioned, I made a few notes about it. Saul uh, it said the Spirit of God came upon him, and that's for sure it did. Then it, he also said in that message that that Spirit of God, when it came upon him, changed him. He was changed into another man. And it had also told us that he had another heart. And then he used one statement, and I got to thinking about it, and this is the reason why I put this message together for tonight. He made a, a statement that Saul, after he had a changed heart, the Spirit of God came upon him. The Bible says, as he pointed out to us, that he joined up with a group or what he called a band of fellow servants. A, a band of fellow servants. Did you know that's what the church is? It's a band of fellow servants. 
And so we need that same thing that Saul had. We need the Spirit of God to be upon us. We need a broken heart and another heart to be able to serve properly and all. And so let me give you something that maybe you hadn't thought about before. And I want to just speak to you about the importance. And I realize you understand this and you've heard it. And my my son has really preached it. And I thank God for him doing so. But the importance of the local church or the band of believers that form the local church. I'm going to give you something that maybe you not have thought of before. And if you have, good. If not, it took me a lot of study to come up with this truth. But I'm going to show you through the scripture how important God made the the importance of the church. And how he brought it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And he used a couple of different uh, individuals to do so. Let me show you something in the book of Hebrews first. If you go to the book of Hebrews, find chapter number 12. And you know, when we go to heaven, heaven is called Mount Zion. So this fits with what I want to speak to you about tonight. Look at uh, Hebrews in chapter number 12. I want to read these verses. I better put my eyes on here. I had cataract surgery. And I can see a... I can see a fly clear back there on that back window without glasses. But I can't see the Bible without glasses. (laughs) So I'm going to put my glasses on here. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Now watch this carefully. Verse number uh, 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion. Now as you know, that's heaven. Because it explains it to us. And unto the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And to an innumerable company of angels. Now watch, when we come to heaven, come to Mount Zion, that city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, we're going to come to an innumerable company of angels. Now here's where a lot of people miss what this is teaching right here, but watch what it says, verse 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven... And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, I draw your attention to something here. The word and is a conjunction word that shows to us a different identities here. And it says in verse number 23, you're going to come to a general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which means that the church and the general assembly are not one of the same. And then it goes on to say they're going to come to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. And I can show you back in chapter 11 there who those are. That's the Old Testament saints. But look at verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. But I want to show you the importance now that the Lord even distinguished right there in that scripture. The general assembly is what I would consider very much to be all of those people that have been saved that had never gotten identified with the church. They were, for example, I've led people to Christ out of my soul winning, but they never come to church. They never were scripturally baptized. They never joined the church. But if they got saved, they're going to be in heaven and there's going to be a score of them. And then I also believe that there will be those out of different denominations 
that we don't consider the right kind of church. There may be like the Protestants or whatever where they've heard the gospel and they've gotten saved. But they haven't been in what the Lord calls his church. So it's going to be a general assembly of a lot of saved people. But notice how he describes this in two different ways. He says to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. And the firstborn, as you know, is uh, the Lord Jesus himself. So he's, I, he's identified the church as a separate entity here. And so uh, to the general assembly and then all those other things there that, that he mentioned. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me very carefully. I want you to go over with, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you will, and watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to look at a little bit of Scripture, and I'll get into the heart of the message. And when I get in the heart of the message, I think you're going to rejoice over the truth that I, I believe we can reveal from the Scriptures here. But look at uh, over at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and look at verse number 45. It says... In 1 Corinthians 15, 4 to 5. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now answer me back. How many Adams are there according to that verse? Two Adams. The first Adam would be the one back in Genesis, correct? The second Adam would be Christ. Is that not true? Okay, so we got two atoms here. And I want you to watch this very carefully. How, verse 46, Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. In other words, Adam represents that which was natural, and Jesus would uh, represent that which is spiritual. Verse 47, The first man, which is the Adam of the Old Testament, is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, with our physical bodies made out of clay like Adam's was, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. What a great promise that is. We're going to have a body fashioned unto Christ, just like Christ. But what I'm trying to get you to see here for the beginning of this lesson and this message is that there are two Adams, one of the Old Testament and one of the New Testament. One is of earthy and one is of the heavenly. And so those two Adams uh, are mentioned to us there in the scriptures. Now look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Go over there for a moment and look at verse number 2. I'm just laying the foundation here of what I want to speak to you about. Look at 2 uh, Corinthians and verse, uh, chapter 11, verse number 2. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may uh, present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So I want you to see there that the one that we're talking about is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are married to him. We've been espoused to him as our husband. Okay. Uh, and we're the, we're the church, the bride. Now chapter 5, look at verse number 14 of Romans. Chapter 5 and verse number 14 of Romans. Look over there for just a minute. 
And let me show you here what we want to learn from this passage. And now chapter 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Now notice it's Adam of the Old Testament. Look what it says he was, who is the figure of him that was to come. I want you to get that now. Adam of the Old Testament was a figure of him, the second Adam of the New Testament, who was to come. The second Adam. So we've got two Adams, one of the Old Testament, one of the New Testament, one of the earth, one from heaven. But those two Adams are very much explained here. Now, both of these Adams, let me ask you this, and you just settle it in your heart, and I know you know the truth about this. But is it not true that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is called the Son of God? Is that correct? The Son of God. Okay, now watch this. Go to Luke chapter 2, and let me show you this. And we'll be there in just a moment. Luke chapter 2, and look at verse number 38. Luke chapter 2, and verse number 38. And of course, uh, as you know, in, in this passage of Scripture, it's, it's speaking, uh, no doubt it's speaking, or I, I said Luke 2, I meant Luke 3, verse 38, I'm sorry. Look at Luke 3, verse, uh, verse 38. And this is speaking about uh, the lineage that brings on Christ as the Son of God. But look at verse 38. Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of who? God. So the first Adam was the son of God. The second Adam is the son of God. The first Adam was earthly. The second Adam was heavenly. And so they're both Adams, but they have one thing in very much common, and I'm going to show it to you what they are, and that's this. They both came to acquire a bride. As you know, the church is the bride of Christ. You agree with that? Yes or no? Okay. So you're going to watch this now. This is going to bless your heart. I want you to know, well, let's go to the scripture first. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. In just a moment, I'm going to have you turn to two different passages. We'll park there for a little while. But look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. And watch this very carefully. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. And look at verse 13. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Watch this now. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now, this is interesting to me. You remember reading in the book of Genesis, which we'll look at maybe here in just a few moments, that when Eve was tempted of Satan to take of the fruit which was uh, forbidden for her to do so, the Bible says, and then she gave to her husband who was with her. Now, I used to stumble over that, but I don't stumble over that anymore. Because since Adam represents the Son of God in the Old Testament, 
he willfully and willingly took of that fruit and became a sinner when he was not guilty. The Bible says, and Adam was not deceived. He took of that fruit because he loved his bride and he did not want his bride to be punished without him and to go through life without him. So he willfully took of that and became a sinner for her. Now, where's that taking you to so far? What about that second Adam? The second Adam was just like the first Adam in that manner. He was without sin. But he took our sin, and we became his bride as he became sin for us. The first Adam and the second Adam had those two things in common. They both loved their brides enough to become sin for their brides. Now, let me show you the comparisons here. Many, many comparisons about the first Adam and second Adam. And by the time I get through, if you're a good Baptist, you're going to shout in your own heart, if not out loud, because I'm going to show you something that's going to bless your soul. I discovered it myself, and I've preached it for a number of years, and it has been a great blessing to me. Now, you understand that Ephesians chapter 5, in fact, let's just go over there before I get back to the other place that I want to go. But go back to Ephesians chapter 5, and you know how that, I've heard my son even here teach and preach about the book of Ephesians, and especially about this matter of Christ. But watch what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, and I want you to notice it starts out like in verse number 22, Starting out with wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Notice how he's comparing the wife and the church. Do you understand that? He's comparing the two of them. And and then he goes on to say, in verse number 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Notice how, again, he's, he's, he's comparing the wife to loving her husband as much as, uh, or the husbands to love their wives as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now here's what I want you to notice. All the way through that chapter, you're going to find the comparisons between husband and wife, husband and wife, and so forth. In fact, verse 29, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth the cherish of it, even as the Lord the church. Now here we go. Look, at, look down to verse number 30 and 31. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Don't forget that statement, because we're going to look at it again in the Old Testament. Verse 32. This is a great mystery. Watch it now. Watch this. But I speak concerning Christ and the what? So the husband and the wife... He is speaking about the love and the submission, the love the husband has for the wife and the submission that the wife has to the husband as we're supposed to do in our relationship with our marriage. So he's comparing now the, the, the two brides, the, old, uh, the, 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 the physical bride and the spiritual bride, but he says, I speak concerning Christ and the church. So how important is the church if he's making the comparison both between uh, the two Adams. So here we go. 
We talked about the first Adam in Genesis. And if you will, I want you to go back and hold your finger because we're going to be looking mainly and mostly in the book of Genesis in chapter number two there. And go back to Genesis. And what we've learned there is that the first Adam in Genesis and the second Adam in the New Testament, Christ, both came to acquire a bride. They acquired a bride. And we know that the church is the bride of Christ and Eve is the bride of the first Adam. But how they acquire them is so identical that you can hardly miss it. I'll show it to you. The Adam in Genesis foreshadowed the Adam in the New Testament in acquiring the bride. Now, Eve in Genesis, Eve the lady, the bride of Adam, foreshadowed the church who becomes the bride of the New Testament. And here's some beautiful comparisons, and that's what I want you to get. I want you to see this. I don't want you to ever forget this. This is something that I had studied out myself, and I cannot believe when I came to the Scripture and found this, how the two Adams are so important about how they acquired their bride. Here it is, number one. The first Adam's bride, tell me out loud, who was that? Eve. She was planned and purposed by God before she was created. Don't miss that. Let us sink in a minute. Before Eve was ever created, God had planned and purposed for her creation. Look at Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I can interrupt myself and say, boy, that's for sure. I've been alone now without my wife for a little over a year now. And I'm telling you, it's not good for a man to be alone. But in, in this case, what the Lord is trying to tell us here is, and the Lord God said it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Notice, that's future. It's not good for Adam to be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. In other words, it's my purpose and my plan to make him. By the way, did you know that's the first time you'll read the two words of God that says, I will, those two words, I will? That's the first time you read it, and it's in reference to the bride. I won't take the time to have you turn to it because I need to get through with this. But if you look at Revelation chapter 21, verse number 9, you'd find the last I will that God writes. And the last I will has to do with the bride of Christ. The first I will has to do with the bride of Adam of the Old Testament. The second I will, or the last I will, happens to do with the bride of Christ. Okay, so here's what we find. The Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. In other words, I purpose and plan to make him. Now, the second Adam, which is Christ, and his bride was purposed by God before her creation. You want to see something that's amazing? He wrote to the church at Ephesus. Look what he says there in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 4. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. God had already planned and prepared and purposed a bride for Christ before the world was ever even created. And notice, the Bible says there that he chose us in him. Well, guess where Adam, or Eve came from? Came out of Adam. She was in him. 
And she came out. And where did the church come from? We were in Christ before he even uh, created the world. So God had planned and purposed the church before that the church was ever brought into existence or before the world was ever brought into existence. So number one is God uh, purposed and planned before the creation of the two brides. Now watch, verse, uh, watch number two. Uh, you're going to love this one. The first Adam's bride, which was Eve, lived, had life, because Adam's side was wounded in sleep. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 2. I want you to get it. In Genesis chapter 2 it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. By the way, a deep sleep in your Bible is in reference to death itself. And he, I'll show that to you in just a moment. But notice, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it. But, the, but Adam's, Adam's side had to be wounded while he was in a deep sleep, as if in death, before God could take what that which he needed to take out to create Eve from, uh, from what Adam had in him. Now, the second Adam, which is Christ, as, and we're the church, we live because Christ's side was wounded in, de, uh, in death as well. Let me show you something. Go to the book of John chapter 19. John chapter 19. This excites me right here. Look at John chapter 19 and look over at verse number 30, uh, 33 and 34. John 19 verses 33 and 34. Here's what it says. Jesus was dying on the cross. And when it says in verse 33, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already, which was a deep sleep. The Bible calls the death of a Christian even sleep. He was dead already, and they break not his legs. Now watch verse 34. But one of his soldiers with a spear pierced his what, class? Side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. In God's name, don't miss what I'm going to show you right here. God took out of Adam's side of the Old Testament the very necessary ingredients, we call it the rib, the necessary ingredients to be able to create his bride, Eve. Came out from his side, his rib. And what he did is when he took that out of his side, he made Eve out of it. Well, the second Adam, which happens to be Christ, had his side wounded. Now watch this, and look what came out. Blood and water. Are you redeemed by the blood? So what came out of his wounded side was the very necessary item to be able to have you to be able to be created in Christ Jesus as one of his children 
And the water happens to do with two things, and you can't be saved without them. You can't be saved without the water of the Word or the water of the Holy Spirit. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. This spake he of the Holy Spirit. Or in Ephesians, where it talks about water, that we've been washed by the water of the Word. So what came out of, 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 of Christ's side as the second Adam to produce his bride, the church? The blood and the water had to come out of his side, and that's what you and I have been saved by, is the blood and the water. So just exactly like the, uh, uh, the Adam of the Old Testament, where Adam had out of his side the very ingredient it took to be able to create Eve, his bride. So both brides came from the, uh, the Adam's, both Adam's side to be able to produce the brides for them. That's an amazing thing. God had planned and prepared the brides for each one before he created them. And then secondly, he used both of the atoms with a wounded side in a deep sleep to be able to get the ingredients that's going to be able to produce those two brides. I don't know about you, but that does something to me. That God has taken the first Adam and the second Adam and, and has done the same thing. Now let's go to the third thing. The first Adam's bride, which of course was Eve, was actually part of his own body. The rib. It was part of his own body. Genesis 2.22, if you're still in Genesis, watch this. Genesis 2.22. And the rib, and by the way, is the rib bone and flesh... And so the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now look at verse number 24 of chapter 2. Does it not also say then they become one flesh? So because of what he took out of Adam, that bone, that flesh that he made Eve out of, they become then one flesh. She has Adam's flesh. Now, look at the second Adam's bride, which, of course, is the church. And look at what happens in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, that we read just a little moment ago. It says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. What about that? How about that? The first Adam's bride became part of his body, his flesh. The second Adam... Christ, his bride, the church, we are said to be a part of his flesh. We are of one flesh with Christ. So both Adams had their wives uh, uh, presented uh, to them and created for them out of uh, the bone or out of the flesh. Now, here's the, here's the next thing. Listen to this. First Adam's bride, Eve, was formed by God himself. Look at, you're in Genesis, look at verse 22. Chapter 2, verse 22. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, watch this, made he a woman. Made he, which means when it says made, he's the one who formed her. He's the one who, who created her. He's the one who gave her the color of hair, the color of eyes, the shape of her body, and all of the different parts of her. He made her. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is, with that rib, which the Lord had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now watch this. 
The second Adam's bride, which is, of course, the church, is being formed by God, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, since you're back there in Ephesians. And it says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now watch it. For we are his workmanship. Literally what that is saying is we are his forming. Created. We're formed and created in Christ Jesus and the good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's why the Bible says, upon this rock I will build, I will, I will form, I will make my church. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what is he saying here? I'm going to form the church. I'm going to put in the membership of the church who I want in the church as my bride. He forms it. Just like God formed Eve out of the rib of Adam, God is forming his church. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus. And so the two Adams have the same thing together right now. That they both have their brides formed by God. It's God who places the members in his membership. It's God who places the members in his church. It's God who's forming his church. And just like he did in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, uh, Adam, he's doing it for the New Testament, Adam, Jesus Christ. And, of course, if we go to the fifth thing, and I want you to see this, the first Adam's bride, Eve, was created to be his helpmeet. Is that not correct? According to two, chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 18, watch this. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. What was the purpose of Eve of the Old Testament? Help Adam. Be his encourager. Be his cheerleader. Be the one that encourages and cheers, cheers him on and help him in the Garden of Eden. I mean, you're going to be his help meet. You're going to take care of him. That's your whole purpose. And then if we go to the New Testament, Adam, which is Christ, we're going to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9. If you want to turn there, you can look at it with me. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse, uh, verse number 9, it says, For we, talking to the church of Corinth, talking to the church, which of course refers to us, for we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. In other words, the church is to be the helpmeet to God. Did you know that right now, this very moment, Christ cannot put a dime in the offering plate? But you and I as the church can, for him. Did you know that Christ cannot, right now, pass out a gospel tract and lead anyone to Christ? But his church can, by being his helpmeet. Did you know that Christ cannot come into this room and vacuum these floors? Did you know that Christ cannot be here to play that piano? Did you know that Christ cannot be here to lead that singing? Did you know that Christ cannot do anything at all that he made us to be his helpmeet to do it for him? So both Adams got a bride was to be their helpmeet to help them. The Adam of the Old Testament had Eve being made to help him. And the Adam of the New Testament had the church to be a helpmeet 
to be laborers together with him. And we're to do that in the local church. So how important is the church? How important is it it for us to find out what our place is and what we can do to serve God? We are supposed to be helpmeets to the Lord. And he can't do it. There's no way in this world he can do it. He's up in heaven. He's doing for us what we can't do. And we're to do for him what he can't do because we're his helpmeet. And that's exactly what the Lord is trying to teach us here. And that's why the importance of the church, because the work of God's not going to get done unless the help meet the church does it for him. And that's exactly what the Bible is trying to teach about the two, uh, to the two brides. Well, let's take this next thought. I love this one. Oh, my goodness. I think I'll shout like a Baptist right here. But in Genesis 2, verse number 22. The first Adam's bride, which was Eve, was presented to him. Look what it says. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made or formed he a woman and brought or presented her unto the man. Wow. Look what he did. Don't miss this. God put Adam into a deep sleep as if death, wounded his side, took out the necessary ingredient that he needed, walked away from the wounded side of Adam as he laid there as in a deep sleep of death, and took that rib and took it a distance away. We know that based on the way the scripture is reading. And took it away out of the sight of Adam. And he took that rib and he literally formed That woman. You want to think with me about it? Just think about this now. I don't know if you and I can even come close to comprehending this. But if God formed her, she had to be the most beautiful specimen of a woman ever created. And one thing for sure, she was without spot, she was without wrinkle, She was without blemish. She did not need eye makeup. She did not need lipstick. She did not need dyed hair. She she was absolutely, totally, completely, 100% perfect. The most beautiful creature that you and I cannot even comprehend. That she's without blemish. She's without spot. She's without anything that would be marred on her. She's absolutely perfect. And after he made her, he raises her up. And Adam, back in the garden, with a wounded side, And God brings this creature that he just made for him into the, and no doubt he probably just said to the the sleeping Adam and said, Adam, wake up. And Adam batted his eyes and looked up. You know how the word woman came into existence? Adam looked up at her and said, whoa, man. And she's been called woman ever since. Whoa, man. Because he never saw anything more beautiful in his entire life. She was absolutely gorgeous and perfect. 
And it was God who made her and presented her to him. Are you ready, church? Look at the book of Ephesians and watch what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. And look what it says in verse number 27. Here's the second Adam with his church, with his bride, and it says that he might present, just like God did to Adam of the Old Testament, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And one of these days, ladies and gentlemen, God is going to take the church that he has made for the second Adam Christ. And the Bible says that we're going to have a body fashioned unto like his. And we are going to be presented without spot, without blemish, without sin, without failure, without anything wrong. Just as much as the Adam of the Old Testament received his bride perfect. One day, bless God, according to that Bible, Jesus Christ is going to receive his bride, the church, one day up in heaven. Perfect. Not one blemish. Not one anything that would ever indicate we'd ever had sin. We're going to be without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle, totally 100% of a body fashioned unto like his body. Perfect. I don't know about you, but that does something for me. The two Adams that the Bible says in the Old or in the New Testament that God shows to us that both of those Adams acquired a bride and they acquired a bride exactly like each other. And the one bride was Eve of the Old Testament. The other bride was, of course, the church of the New Testament. Now watch and I'll be done. I want you to get this. The first Adam's bride, Eve, shared Adam's dominion. Look at chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 28. Now the word I want to use here in just a moment will explain to you what I'm trying to get across to you. But it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 28, and God blessed, what's the next word? Them. Would that be Adam and Eve? Yes, God blessed them, both of them. And God said unto, what's the next word? Them, both of them. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Now watch. And he said to them, and have dominion, which means sovereignty and control and rule and reign. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that moveth upon the earth. There stands God with Adam and Eve, Adam with his bride Eve, and he says, I'm giving you charge to have reign over everything on this earth. You're going to be in control. You're going to rule. You're going to reign. You're going to have everything under you. You're going to be in charge. God gave that to Adam's bride with Adam himself to have dominion over everything on this earth. Does it surprise you that the second Adam's bride gets the same blessing? Let me show you something. 
If you will, go over with me to the book of Revelation and look at chapter number 5. Revelation and chapter number 5. And look at verse number 10. And it says in Revelation 5.10, And has made us, that's the church, under our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Just as much as God gave the first Adam and his wife dominion over everything and have authority over everything on this earth, bless God one of these days, after the great tribulation, the Lord Jesus is going to say to his bride, the church, to saddle up with him. He's going to come on a white horse. We're going to come back with him on white horses. And we're going to come back and set up the thousand-year millennial kingdom. And when we're here, we get to rule and reign with Christ and we'll be in charge. Guess what we're going to be in charge of? What we really need to have somebody in charge of today. First of all, if you'll notice, it says that you'll have, you'll, you'll be in charge of kings. You'll, you'll be uh, over kings. That's political. And priests, that's religious. And so we're going to be over the political world and we're going to be over the religious world we're going to have dominion over everything and everything's going to go according to what God tells us that he wants done and we get to rule and reign with it that's the bride of Christ we're not on the losing side we're on the winning side and we're going to one of these days be in charge regardless of what Biden and that political rat house up there is doing we are one of these days going to be in charge We're going to have authority. We're going to straighten out all of the political world, and we're going to straighten out all the religious world. It's not going to be Mormonism. It's not going to be Catholicism. It's not going to be any cult. It's going to be the church that Jesus bought with his blood and with the water that came from the wounded side, and we're going to be redeemed, and we're coming back, and we're going to rule and reign on this earth one of these days. Take heart, Christian. If you're part of the church, the bride of Christ, you're going to be in charge one of these days. And God had a special interest by showing to us those two Adams and how both of those Adams would acquire their bride and what their bride's going to be. Aren't you glad that you've been born again? And aren't you glad that God gives to us these truths and he uses the two Adams to be able to show exactly how they acquire their bride? Thank God. For the blessed blood of Christ that saves us. And thank God that one day, this might look dim and black and bleak right now. But praise the Lord, one of these days it's going to look grand and glorious. And there's going to be peace on this earth. And for a thousand years, we get to reign with our husband. The bride will reign with Christ. And then we're going to go into eternity forever and ever to be with him. Thank God for the truth of the word of God. Let's pray. Our Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity of just showing the people again to remind them of how great the church is. It's the bride. It's going to be ruling and reigning one day. It seems like we struggle today, dear Lord. It seems like we work hard to try to get things accomplished and done. But one of these days when you come back and you put Satan down and we get the freedom to rule and to reign on this earth, We're going to enjoy our time with you, our fellowship with you, 
and to our reign with you. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for all that it means. Thank you for them taking care of my son and his family. And I pray, Lord, that you'll bless them as well. They're away there in California and bring them back safely, even for this coming Sunday, that they might enjoy, but once again, the church that Jesus built, that is his bride. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.